Hi guys, um, welcome back to Football Talk. I feel like it's been a minute. I don't know if it's if it's been long, but like yeah, I feel like it's been quite a bit. Um, joined by the usual suspects, or not the usual suspects, just Simba, and we've got a we've got a new we've got a new suspect today. <laughs> Please welcome Hilary Miti, one of the main leaders of the General Consensus Podcast. Um, let us know how you're feeling, Tino. What's up? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? Yeah, decent, decent. Simba, tell us. What's up? Uh, good, bro, as usual. Um, been a crazy week. Yeah, crazy European week, you know. Still still happy, still over the moon. Man, this buzzy. You can see with the smile, dude. <laughs> yeah, you can even see with the smile, bro. Everything. Yeah, the eyes are red though, bit tired, but yeah, it's been I'm I'm alright, man. I'm alright. Yeah. I see that you took the celebrations too far, huh? It's part and parcel when you get into a final. <laughs> I'm sure the red side of Manchester can't relate, you know. Or the old North London as well. But hey. Hey, before we get into our subliminals, let's <laughs> You know, let's actually get straight into it. You've already mentioned the red side of Manchester. Um, I don't know if y'all if y'all caught on to this, but um, a bunch of clubs have been protesting lately. This was initially because, like, of the Super League, right? So, like, a few a uh, few clubs, especially the English clubs, protested and they were like, "Now nah, we're not having any of that," right? And then the Super League was eventually banned. But one club that continued protests even post super league was manchester united and this was now directed towards the glazer family um the way they've been running the club people have not been happy and yeah um we decided to get a united fan so that we get deep into this tino take us away okay what exactly do you want to know um basically the basis of the protest like we've been just we okay on a personal level i just heard that like the glazers have run the club poorly but like take us into the how they've run the club poorly um i think say that they've run the club poorly would be a bit harsh and a bit of um an oversimplification of the facts um i think we can say the football side has been run poorly and the biggest concern for the fans is that obviously the Glazers are not like your Roman Abramovich, Sheikh Mansour type. Um, they're never going to pump money into the club. Um, but the bare minimum is that they don't take money out of the club. And as I said previously on that IG live that we did um, the day that we were discussing the Super League, like Manchester United was bought on debt. Basically, they used to loan to purchase the club, and that loan still hasn't been paid back. So now that debt is now, you know, it's now amassed about 1.7 billion pounds. And instead of, you know, paying off the debt yearly, these owners and shareholders, they're taking out money in the form of dividends. 
and Manchester United is the only Premier League club that pays that pays its shareholders dividends. So, I mean, in terms of running the club commercially and all that, it's they, it's been quite a success because we've seen these crazy sponsorship deals and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think the concern, really, when you look at it, is on the football side, um, and that's what they what we or they were really um, protesting down in Manchester this past Sunday. Oh, so is it is it a situation where the club is not performing enough? Like you said, like it's an on the pitch thing. So I saying like, um, yeah, are you saying that performances aren't matching up? Because obviously, like despite being on the pitch thing, there is a commercial value to it. So like, for example, finishing second in the Prem gives you like quite a bit of money. Um, let's just say like all goes well for United and you guys win Europa. It's not going to be, the debt is already like too deep. It can't be bailed out, but yeah. So basically like saying that those type of performances are they're the reason why the club has slumped, well, financially. Um, to a certain extent, and I can, well, the main thing is, is also going back to the fact that, you know, they, they use the, the club to pay. So all the club profit, or most of it, they use it to pay some of their own personal debts and, you know, taking out dividends, etc., and not necessarily investing their own money back into the club. Um, so, for example, I was reading this article this morning by Andy Mitten. Um, he's this Manchester United correspondent who's based in Manchester, and he was saying that he was talking to some of his club sources, and they're saying that, which is also, um, he also did say that it's a bit of an oversimplification, but he gave an example of how the Glazers' best situation is not Manchester United winning trophies. It's Manchester United finishing second because they get the benefit of a lot of prize money, but they don't have to play out, pay out player bonuses. So, you know, that's the sort of um, ownership that we're dealing with where even if they were to invest and if the football structure was in a good place, they, their mentality is sort of like, we benefit from finishing second. And it's, it's you know, in stark contrast to the previous ownership, um, especially under Sir Alex Ferguson's uh, reign in the early 2000s, where United was constantly upgrading the stadium, constantly trying to be the best club in the world. And now it's more like, well, Second place, we get the ben the financial benefits still, but we don't have to, you know, pay out all these bonuses and contracts, et cetera, et cetera. So I think even the mentality has changed around the club. Oh, so it's, it's, oh, it's, I, I, I can't understand where that came from. Like, where you're finishing second and you're just like, it's not a bad result. You're content with it. And as the owner, those are the situations that you're actually trying to create this year. Um, that's some that's some tough financial decisions made there. What do you think, Simba? Uh, I just wanted to ask, like, but don't you guys think that it's usually American owners that operate in this type of manner? Like we've seen with Arsenal, Stan Kroenke has come out and said that, you know, I didn't buy this club to to win trophies or anything. I simply bought it because I want to flip a profit. You know, I just want to make cash. And pump it back into the into Zenithal team. I forgot which team it was. Maybe you guys can just just remind me. But don't you think it's just like in general these American owners that operate like that? Um. Yeah. I mean, like I always say, like I couldn't be bothered because obviously 
it's it's a really terrible situation for the club and as being a, a fan of the club a lifelong fan of the club it's a terrible situation but we have to be adults and see that this is you know what we're getting into and just like Dickie's saying Stan Kroenke for example his football American football team is Los Angeles Rams the Glazers Manchester United owners they own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right and if you contrast Arsenal and Manchester United to the Los Angeles Rams and the Buccaneers the Rams and the Buccaneers have been in the Super Bowl in the last five years. The Buccaneers won the, the last one. So, like Dickie's saying, their priority isn't their English football clubs, it's the American football teams. So, I mean, I think the problem with a lot of fans is that they think that every owner cares about the club, but it's not the case. We, don't all, we aren't all blessed to have a Roman Abramovich who cares about results, who cares about, you know, um, all these important things. Um, that's a privilege, really, at the top level, because it's it's a it's a money-driven thing, sports these days. And I think you'd be ignorant not to acknowledge that. Uh, completely understandable, because um, I like the way uh, Simba also brought out like um, American owners being the key to this, because like even. Um, in the Chelsea situation, like when we're talking about um, people having to come to explain to the players, like um, the Super League, it wasn't Abramovich that came and said, we're jumping into the Super League for this. So it was Bruce Buck, our American chairman, which, yeah, just goes and shows you like the state of play. And what Tito says, like, as much as you'd like to say that, think, even think that like these guys are all like one club oriented because that's the club you support. Yeah, it's it's wishful thinking. And yeah, it's it's gonna be something that you have to adapt to because I think coming up, it's only, the Super League has only blighted this point. Like it's only like made it show, it's only shown us now that like, ah, okay. It may not just be about just football, right? And I don't know if you guys remember, I was just looking over my pictures at one point and, Remember, La Liga was meant to have certain games, certain of the regular season games in North America, in Central America, like for that revenue. And, you know, these were like the little signs that we saw and we're like, oh, this is going to be cool. But then we didn't actually think about like, you know, the future ramifications of that. And yeah, it's basically culminated to this like Super League attempt. But yeah, um, hopefully, um, that doesn't happen like very soon and we keep our football in Europe while our European football in Europe for now and yeah we're just gonna move on straight into European football Simba can you take us through the Champions League action I tried tried um it's been a crazy week uh if you're a Man City fan it's been a Maza First Champions League final, congrats. Amazing stuff, amazing feat for, for Pep. Amazing team, feat for the team as well. They've come a long way, so it's been crazy. Um, Chelsea, another final for us. Of course, it's been the last time we in a final, I was still in primary school, you know. So it's crazy, like, how time has really flown and we've actually reached the stage. If you're asking me, I think, on a recent pod, with Tawanda, I did hint that maybe we could do something in the Champions League, but I was just like, yeah, let me just hope. But we're there now, so it's 
it's crazy how how stuff like this and certain things happened for us to get there. So I just want to hear from Chino what he thought, the thoughts, his thoughts and opinions on how like the Champions League has gone, as well as how he sees from an outsider view, how he sees Chelsea as a football club since we are me and Tawanda are Chelsea fans. So yeah. But what do what do you think, Chino, bro? What do you think has changed from Frank to to Tuko? Well, firstly, I find it amusing that you say that the last time you were in a Champions League final, you were in primary school. But, like, I mean, that, that implication would be that that would be, you know, pre the Roman Abramovich era. If we were going by your birth certificate. <laughs> yeah. I saw that coming. Yeah, I saw the build up to this guy. Hey, that's, that's a ratio for, for those listening. That's a ratio for the beginning of the. Before we start recording, so yeah, no, that, that's a good one. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before we uh, start you, recording, you, Simba, Simba got you no know, good, so I'm, I'm sure he was waiting for this. <laughs> Probably should have saved it on camera, bro. Now they're on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you probably should have. Um, but I mean, I've always been a fan of Tuchel, and I've always advocated for him. Even I remember when when the Frank had just been sacked and. A lot of Chelsea fans were really pessimistic, and I was having to tell them, "No, guys, this is a good thing for you guys." Um, of course, there's a lot of people that look at football at a very surface level, and there's nothing wrong with casual viewership because that probably constitutes, I'd say, about the vast majority of football fans' casual viewership. Um, and they saw what happened in Paris, and they automatically thought that you know. Paris's inability to get over the hump is due to Tuchel, but it's not. It's it's a there's a myriad of reasons, um, and he's really not really the cause of that. But um, just like I sort of I won't say I predicted, but I expected Tuchel to sort of bring a lot more structure, um, direction, purpose, and. Under Frank, it was like, you don't really know what this team is about. You don't know. I mean, is, is this really good coaching? Players were very uncertain, um, even on the ball, not just off the ball. It just seemed like, it, it just didn't seem like the Chelsea that I, I grew up watching. And under Tuchel, I mean, it, there are shades of Mourinho, not in terms of, you know, tactical philosophy and football principles, but in terms in terms of sort of, the way that they play with a certain conviction, whether it's on the counter, like we saw last night, or whether it's, um, you know, when you're dominating and looking to carve out chances, there's a lot more conviction. And players understand what the manager's um, asking of them. And that's one of the biggest strengths of Tuchel. Not, that, not just that he's a great football brain, but also that he's an excellent communicator and an excellent educator as well, um, which I think Frank might have been missing. Um, it goes back to the the age-old debate about why a lot of great players can't be great coaches is because they expect every player to be able to do what they could do. It's why Michael Jordan, the greatest, argue, arguably the greatest athlete of all time, has been a terrible owner. It's because he expects players to see the game the way that he does. He's not a great teacher. So that's what I have noticed. Um, and I'm happy for Chelsea fans. Um, also, I'm happy because I'm, I'm a huge fan of Tuchel. I remember 
um, reading Pep Evolution, um, this book about uh, Pep Guardiola's time in Germany. And there's a chapter specifically on Thomas Tuchel. I'd recommend any Chelsea fan, any football fan to read that book. Um, it's the one with the red cover by Marty Pernal. And there's a, a chapter dedicated to Tuchel. And Pep, the chapter is titled Thomas Tuchel, Pep's Successor. And it's exactly that because Pep had sort of pegged him to be a successor, not in terms of football club, but in terms of sort of positional play and all these, all the ideologies that they share. But yeah, that, that's pretty much what I've noticed. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think, oh, by the way, I have actually, read, uh, I think a snippet, I read that chapter the, the Tuchel chapter in that book. It was very eye-opening. I think this was when we had just um, hired him the first couple of weeks. And then I read that one. I was like, yeah, it just opened up my my mind. And yeah, so made me think, made me look at him in another, another way. But I actually agree with everything you're saying. I think even us as, as like PFC fans, we, of course, when, when Lamps were sacked, it wasn't easy. He he wasn't doing well at the end of the day. The results weren't weren't too great. But you saw Tupo came and I remember even I was talking to Tawanda even in the chats in our group. I was like, of course I, I, I want I wouldn't mind I didn't mind Tuko coming. I, I had my reservations, but I'm sitting here saying, I think we've just won the lottery with this guy. I think you see the way we play certain teams, we've played all these big teams. I'm I'm confident now compared to the last tenure. I know that we're gonna go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And I think even in the UCL now, we've gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with every team and we've come out on top. We have not looked like we're going to fall under pressure. Even against Real Madrid, I really thought that we're playing against, correct me if I'm wrong, 13-time, 14-time champions. And these guys have got all the experience in the world. They've got winners and they just come up here. We just come up there and we will pass them over two legs something I haven't seen in a while from a Chelsea team. And it's just crazy how things just changed from December to May, which I find fascinating. So, man, heads up to him. I think we've also seen that he's not afraid. He uses a lot of formation. I think right now it's a bit um, tough for him and tricky for him to be tampering with different formations because he needs to get the results. You know, we're still not certain if we're going to qualify for Champions League. So course like in the short term it's understandable why he uses a three-back system and whatnot some may not be in favor of it some may be but it's understandable so it's always he's always got that flexibility so yeah tino tino you wanna you wanna jump in yeah just like briefly just something that came to mind is that like no manchester united fan wants to see man city and chelsea in the final but this is the exact reason why I love football and why the majority of us love football, because it's fairy tales. And I don't think that's a stretch. If we look at sort of 15 years ago, you wouldn't have expected Man City to be this. Okay, Chelsea are a bit more consistent. But even at the beginning of this season, if you look at Chelsea where they were this season, I mean, it would have been, a you know, it would have been really far-fetched if you told me that you'd be in the Champions League final. And the Super League, this is exactly what the Super League is threatening to take away. That sort of underdog or that meritocracy of like, you earn your way to the top. And this is why fans are against it. So personally, I'm happy for football because it's an example of why the Super League 
goes against what we cherish the most as football fans. Yeah, and, and we kicked out the bums of, of of that one, you know, Madrid, you know, him and Paris, they're going on back to the beaches, fam. So it's it's peak for them, you know. Now for the nice martini by the beach, they're thinking about the Super League. So yeah, Tanda, you wanna say something, bro? Yeah, like I just wanted to <laughs> to get evil, but that's besides the point. Um, I just wanted to point out, like, um, just to drag it back a bit on manager prowess, and you know, despite um, Madrid, for example, having all of these problems like off the pitch, I'd also just like to commend Zidane for even bringing the team that far with the number of injuries that they've had, with the number of off-pitch problems that they've had. Because, you know, before the game, remember, um, that was Sergio Ramos's first game back after a five-week stint um, on hospital beds because of, like, the Spain game. And in those five weeks, right, um... Zidane tried 14 different uh, centre-back partnerships. I'm not sure if I'm wrong, but in the times that he did those 14 uh, centre-back partnerships, he didn't lose a game. So I think another, like, uh, when you have, like, a good manager like that, like a manager who can give you, like, what seem to be questionable decisions on the pitch, but then be so consistent, I think that's a sign of a good manager. That's the same thing that happened to Thomas. Like, um, if you hear before, if you heard like in the second leg, like just before the game started, Pulisic put out like a quick um, uh, statement saying that he was disappointed to be out of the starting lineup. And, you know, he made it quite public. But then with the time that he came on and the influence that he had to put the final goal, you, you could see like, the manager knows what he's talking about. So, like, I think um, if you're comparing both legs, right, if you're comparing, um, not both legs, if you're comparing both games, rather, like, PSG solely got beaten. Okay, not solely, but, like, player attitude was horrendous. But I think player attitude is only horrendous if the manager allows it to go that far, you know? Like, I mean, I'm not trying to bash Poch, but I feel like you should have had a uh, better handle on that situation. Like, and I'm not even talking about the second leg. I'm talking before Gay got the red card, right? Like, that's something that you can't allow to happen as a manager. You give the hairdryer treatment at halftime. You have to do something to avoid such situations. And Pip, for once, like, ah, Pip, he actually, like, stuck to his guns. If you remember last year against Leon, he tried to be complicated with it, went sour. But this time, he trusted his guns and, you know, things went well for him. Same thing that he did against Dortmund. Yeah, he got a lucky stroke with the Bellingham issues in Edison. But yeah, that's football. It's like Tino said earlier, it's about fairy tales and all that. Like, it's literally something that you can't, you can't create. Like, you can only, like, take advantage of when you see it. Yeah, Tino? Yeah, I agree with the vast majority of what you what you said um and i think Poch is someone who's been incredibly overrated over the past few years but i still think he's a good manager um i yeah. just found it a bit unfair and this is not 
to do what you said, but it just sort of came back to memory about how, you know, Poch has been getting a lot of criticism for where PSG are in the league. They're only one point behind Lille with about seven points to seven games to go. Um, mm-hmm. I checked, I think, yesterday. And they've just been beaten in the semi-final by a Man City team that, let's be honest, Chelsea are probably the only people that might even beat that City team this year. Um, so he faces the best team in the world after only half a season with his new club while missing one of his two best players, then he loses. And then now you look at football Twitter, and it goes back to what I was saying about casual viewership. And people are now on the timeline making broad sweeping statements about Pep's ineptitude as a manager. And I, I mean, sorry, Poch's ineptitude as a manager. And I think it's a bit laughable. But um, yeah, like just like I said earlier, you can clearly see that Tuchel not winning the the, the Champions League with um, PSG. These are the same problems that Tuchel was going through. Like, how do you control these guys that are on like 250k a week? The bottom feed is on, on like 100k a week, and they think that you know they walk on water and so on and so forth. So, it's a tough situation. And I think you know, this I mean, if a manager were to come in and I mean, which manager do you guys think, dead or alive, working or retired, could actually win a Champions League with this lot? If any, there's probably very few. I mean, yeah. That's true. Like, I think with PSG, you know, when you sign up for that job, you know what you're signing up for. There are too many egos within that team. I mean, you're managing Neymar, you're managing Mbappe. All these guys, these guys, they are household names in the world of football. They are brands, basically. So we are managing them. And also, these guys, when you even look at the tactics, you have to set your side up to allow them to do what they do without compromising what they do. So you can't tell them to, you know, Neymar, track back and go defend. No, don't tell them to do that. You can't tell Mbappe, no, Mbappe, come back and defend. You can't do that. So what do you have to tailor the, the team and the tactics towards them? And I think that's where most managers have a problem, especially even with Tuko, because you saw that last season, he had to change around the whole team. He had to put in, I think, I forgot the midfield that he lined up. I think Marquinhos, um, Draxler, and I think Di Maria in that midfield. And then they had to do all the groundwork and all the running and all that, whilst those guys had to shine. I mean, yeah, if it can work sometimes. But then sometimes, as a manager, it limits you because there's only so much you can do. And I think that's why I feel like now that he's at Chelsea, he's got a team like where there's no ego, there's no big name player it's just a whole team and he can make um implement his philosophy of how he wants to play without compromising anything so i think uh, just to go back to your question but i don't think any manager who, who goes to psg can really survive because if as long as you've got those two players it's literally hard to um to implement what you want to do without um any without having any ramifications so yeah. I'd throw in I'd throw in Carlo Ancelotti though. Like coming from like what both of you have said, um Carlo's been a manager who's known for letting, you know, players have a big influence into how he does his tactics. Like I remember with um even Bayern with Bayern Madrid and Chelsea, 
you wouldn't draw up the formation and say like like literally everyone else you wouldn't drop a formation and say okay guys i want you to learn this you would sit the players down and be like okay so i don't know what we're going to do today um literally let's sit down think about what we're going to do like this will be on monday obviously like he's going to sit down with you and be like okay um are we going to go four or three at the back you know be uh, social with the players like make them feel like they've got a plan as to what um their game plan is i mean obviously this can go one or two ways like it's it could either be like really successful when Neymar and Mbappe want to play the same position and then all of a sudden it's a fight in the dressing room type of thing. It could it could really go one or two ways, but I think someone who would have like a chance at that would probably be Carlo. Anyone else? I, I don't see anyone else who is that like, you know, that lenient in terms of game planning. I, I don't see anyone, anyone else. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Nice. You do raise a good point. I think, yeah, Carlo. But then again, I mean, he's doing a good job at Everton and he was at PSG and he got sacked at PSG and at Bayern because the players are like, now, nah, fam, we've had enough, you know. So Wait, then Carlo again, was at PSG. Remember, after. He was, he was he's like best friends to Leonardo. Um, you should read his book. Um, it's one of the best, I think it's the best managerial books I've ever read, in my opinion. And he talks about how he got each job, what happened in each job, how he got fired. Um, and he, he, without spoiling too much, the PSG thing really like will show you like he, he was sort of like betrayed because like Leonardo was like he looked at him like his best friend. But yeah, uh, that's all I'll say on it. But you should read that one. Um, yeah. Quiet, sort of quiet leadership, winning people. Um, I don't know. I'll send it to you. But it, it's a great book. Yeah, that's that's definitely on my list. Actually, I've always wanted to read that book. So, thanks for bringing it up. But yeah, it's crazy, you know. But I mean, yeah, um, Chelsea, Man City, final. We're definitely going to talk about that. Not in this episode, but it's going to be an interesting game. Telling you, I'm still hyped up. You know, as I said before, the EP or even during the intro, I didn't sleep the previous night. I'm still up here. I still can't believe we're actually here so it's crazy it's crazy man so just to wrap it up we can talk about mr Mourinho, mr paycheck you know this guy divorces every wife he's been with man i swear he does not... seasons, Wait, how many seasons was he at Tottenham? yes this one's too bro ah damn he broke he broke the tradition he's mr no prenup i swear man no prenup <laughs> whatsoever he just goes in there and he leaves with his check. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't say that while I'm drinking water. Telling you, man. <laughs> but yeah, um, Jose has been signed by Roma. Um, it's going to be interesting. The first concern that I heard like from a lot of people was how what's going to happen to young players like Zaniolo. What do you think is going to happen to those guys? I mean, Jose is pictured as this young player killer, but I don't really think he always is that. I, I think I think it depends, man. If you're a good young player, you'll play. Look at Scott McTominay. Look at Rashford. Okay, granted, he didn't have options, but it's not always the case. If you're good enough, you're going to play. If you fit his mold, you're going to play. So 
I think Zaniolo will be good as long as he works hard. Um, yeah. I don't like Jose Mourinho. I dislike Jose Mourinho. But I think some of the criticism he gets is a bit unfair. No, I agree. I think he had like a few disaster strokes at Chelsea um, in terms of the youth, like you mentioned. And then like that was like what um, affected like all his outputs. Because, you know, like it wasn't just like um, it was just like Conor McGallagher or someone like it was De Bruyne, Salah, a lot of people, right? But then like like you said, like when certain players fit the mold, um, yeah, they actually go through. Um, and the person that I want to use as an example for that, besides McTominay and them, man, is a certain Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Like, he got his first Champions League start through Mourinho. And, you know, Mourinho gave him high praise because of his work rate and that. So, yeah, like, I think it's, I also think it's an invalid claim. Well, not entirely invalid, but, yeah, I'm just saying, like, he's capable of doing both. And I think you also mentioned that as well. How about you, Simba? <laughs> just, just to echo, just to... Um, go back to what he's saying about giving him his Champions League debut. He was playing him as a DM, so yeah, um, there you go. Here's the chance. Plays out of positions, like, yeah, I filled my quota. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. You know, I didn't even think about all of that, but, but yeah. he was just when he got his start, though. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're a young player, you guys all played ball back in the day. If your coach told you that you're going to go play for first team, you don't care where you're going to play. Left back, striker, four, you just want to get on the pitch and play for first team. That's what it is. So that's what it was. But just go back on him. I think for Jose, for me, I've always had this thing about Jose is that he's that guy. You know, Jose is that guy that he doesn't, he, when he's looking for a relationship, he just goes in for a woman who's established. He doesn't want to build up the relationship and go through leaps and bounds and talking stage. No, no, he just was like, listen, are you ready? Cool, let's get this, let's get whatever we need to do, and we dip. That's Jose Mourinho. So I think that's what you get from him, especially what Tino was saying, that with the young players, I mean, if you're ready, you're ready. But then at the same time, we've seen him at clubs. Tonda mentioned at Chelsea where he had that whole crop of players, but they were not ready. Well, he said that, the, uh, Jose, I don't know if you said, but they were not ready, which I find really crazy because those players were probably the best at their positions and they were ready. You can see that they're performing at a level which was the potential was was going to be great. But then Jose always goes for these ready made winners. I mean, and you can't you can't hate on that. You can't really deny it. that's his philosophy. And look at Man United as well. So yeah, um, I don't know, Tino, Tino was putting something in the chat there. I don't know if he has anything he wants to get off his chest. Right, remember, like, I was actually about to, like, dive into that as well, since Roma's in the semifinals of the Europa League. Like, the Europa League is happening today, as well, at time of recording, it's Thursday. So, yeah, I think Tino just saw the United lineup, and he's like, mm, Roma might just do a La Remontada. I mean, I don't think I don't think they'll come back. Then I think Bruno, Bruno is too. Uh, it's not McFred today. Fam. I'm looking at this lineup and thinking. I'm trying to think. Like, has Ollie been smoking weed? <laughs> Someone holding him hostage. Let me try and look for him. Do you, I mean, no, I can read it out for you. It's uh, De Gea. This the centre backs are Bai and 
Maguire, right back, Wan-Bissaka, left back, Shaw, in midfield, or the midfielders that are playing are Pogba, Fred, Bruno, and Donny van der Beek. And the forwards that are playing are Cavani and Greenwood. So That's a good lineup. It is. But why? <laughs> but why is he putting out a good lineup? Oli doesn't put up good lineups. He wins big games with with whack lineups. So this this makes me very fearful. He's not a good manager by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> so I want to know what they've done with Oli. It's good. it's good that you mentioned it because a lot of United fans are always on my back, you know, saying, ah, you're always chat- chatting rubbish about our manager. So there you go, guys. There's a correspondent there. I don't have to say <laughs> anything this episode. You know what it is. Ah, come on, if you're arguing, if you're arguing about whether or not Ollie's a good manager, just come on, man. Just come <laughs> on. I mean, if, if you don't mind me going back to the whole Lampard thing, why we always say young managers should get experience is because we're not saying that if you manage six, seven clubs, you will now know how to tell play out to kick a ball. We're saying that. When you come across to certain difficulties, you have the experience of hindsight of being able to be like, okay, this worked last time, so I can apply this and get that solution. Whereas if I apply this, I'm going to get a negative outcome. But without you know, the benefit of hindsight and experience, you're always on an island. And Ollie's been on an island, but you know his assistant manager is someone who played in Manchester United was Sir Alex Ferguson's assistant while Ollie was playing. So he's like obviously really old, but he's also very experienced. He was a manager as well. Whereas if you look at Frank's assistant manager, who's a Jody Morris, where's the balance? You can't say you can't say that the the you can't say that the manager's young. Then the players are young and the assistant manager is young. So where's the wisdom gonna come from? I mean, yeah. So Frank's setting himself up to fail. Okay. That's an interesting thought. I actually thought about that because I yeah, Jody Morris was a was a youth coach at his academy coach, but then I always thought that yeah, he did you do need that experience kind of what what you're saying, you know, like at the end of the day, if everything is young, you know, and there's no one there, there's no old there to give you that wisdom, uh, it never ends too great, you know. We always say it in the in the rap game when these youngins come in and they try to think they're the big guns and then the old guys come and show them how it's done, and there you go. We saw J. Cole and Lil Pump. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's one of those ones where you just need that experience just to keep you in check and give you that advice in situations that you don't know what to do. But yeah, this has been a solid EP, guys. Please let us know what you guys think about Mr. Mourinho. Do you think that going to Syria is a good move for him? A slower league will suit his sufferable tactics. You think the 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 youth who get a chance, Daniolo, Pellegrini, the ballers out there, Clive is Clive still there? I forgot. Oh, he's uh, he he ran away to Leipzig. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, no, no. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he ran away to Leipzig. Oh okay, okay, yeah. Um, let us know what you guys think about that move. Um, but yeah, Tina, do you have any do you have any thoughts you want to share? For uh, no. Not much else, but if you guys were in the business of having like, you know, each episode has like a thumbnail, I have the perfect thumbnail for this episode. 
Shoot. But yeah, Shoot. I'll, I'll send it to you. <laughs> I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Uh, but, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me on, guys. No, I appreciate it, man. You're part of the team already. So it's just like you're, you're the fam. You Every time you're on a hop on, you can just hop on, bro. So it's, it's not even that deep. Shouldn't even be a guest normally, just be part of the panel. You know, so. Yeah, as long as you guys don't have afternoon episodes and I'm trying to have a nap, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a timing thing, bro. I swear, man. That's true, though. It's always a timing thing. If you are, we could we could do this at midnight if everyone was pee, you know. But you know, <laughs> some people will be on Twitch streaming. <laughs> to wonder, no names mentioned. Hey, um, hey, hey, hey! Leave leave my Twitch sessions alone, fam. <laughs> you see, so it's a timing thing. But nah, this has been a, a very solid episode as usual with the gang. Um, that's it for for this week, guys. Uh, we've got actually a good a great announcement coming up, so we'll keep you guys in the loop you guys in the loop but yeah um thank you for tuning in until the end if you have reached here please give us a, a thumbs up on our instagram on our youtube also hop into the discord as usual please. it's always popping there there's always people getting ratio don't care plus ratio you know so <laughs> make sure you guys hop in there as well there's always great banter there um People are always chatting real good stuff in the educational. So in just in anything in general, not even football, anything in general. So hop on the links in the description. But yeah, from us, from Tawanda. No, Tino wants to say something again. Just warning you that if I was on this Discord, Dickie would have gray hair by now. Because I would not <laughs> let this man rest. <laughs> We've seen their tents. <laughs> We've seen the tips, but yeah, you see, like, this is the quirky stuff that we're talking about on the Discord. It's just, ah, it's full-on banter. Um, Post-game, pre-game, not even about the I game. See, I see you guys arguing with Chris every day, and I think I could join in, but I value my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Chris, no, I hope you get yeah, this call so that you listen to this as well. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because I I don't want to hop onto Discord and argue with Dicky, then then go and have my rest the rest of the evening, you know, ruined because Dicky said I should focus on Thursday night games, bro. Yeah, the Emma Del Cup, bro. Yeah, that's the kind of pain I'm I'm avoiding. But we'll see after this Champions League final, because after the final, if you guys don't win, we're in the same position. Except Oof. we might have a trophy. But Oof. I wish you guys the best because you have to stay for. Wow. If it wasn't against City, then if it wasn't against okay, let me speak in a Mancunian accent. If it wasn't against City, then you guys would have to bring. Um, but yeah, all the best guys. Did you cut the episode? Cut the episode now. <laughs> yeah, because you better cut it before I keep going because I've got some things to get up. Just... Hey, bro, cut the episode now. But yeah, guys, thank you for tuning in. Um, this has been Simba, Tawanda, and Tina, and from Football Talk. Have a nice and God bless.